Your death will secure my place as absolute ruler of the Klingon Empire. Hey everybody, welcome to Trek Trudge Discovery episode number... Is it the same nine. as the... Uh, is it episode nine? Yeah, episode nine. I, we did uh, the, the two-parters in, in the one part, but then we just skipped them anyway. That's right, yeah. I was smart. I was avoiding this kind of confusion. Um, and yet here it is anyway. Mm. Uh, Trek Trudge Discovery episode nine. Into the forest I go. Or is it we go? It's just me. Just I. Just I. I'm just going. My name is Byron Housey, and I'm joined by James Chiefs. Hey. Hey, James. How you, how you going? So this is the um, mid-season finale of the first season of Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and we end on a major cliff- cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, with some some pretty... Decent um, resolution of the uh, conflict leading up to this episode. Yeah, it was quite satisfying, I thought. Yeah. Surprising an ex- surprising extent to which things have been resolved to this point. Um, yep. Seemingly to the point... Take things in a new direction. ...where we are potentially done with the Klingon War. Almost. Oh, I don't know about that. We'll see. I have some theories. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've. I've avoided any kind of um, commentary or views of this episode, or fan theories. Mm-hmm. So, so as to preserve my own and share them in this podcast. Great! What a treat. Do you have any theories of your own? Um, well, I thought that the uh, the standout theme uh, of this episode was inappropriate doctor-patient relationships. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. So what I went and did was uh, I looked up the uh, Australian... Oh, the Medical Board of Australia's guidelines for sexual boundaries. Between doctors and patients. Yeah, and it turns out that, um, oh boy, these boys are misbehaving. Right. Yeah, it seems a little bit um, misguided, if not unethical. You're not meant to fuck your patients. Yeah. Well, what if, but I mean, like, what if you're in a relationship first and then yeah. and then treating it, them after that? that? That's where the um, the ambiguity lies, I guess, because the, um, the recommendations don't seem to specify that. But that's, I think that's an important distinction because that's where they clearly are, I think, here. But, um, uh, like, what's not impacted well, like, what's not different uh, when you change that variable uh, are the reasons that breaching sexual boundaries are unethical and usually harmful, which include power imbalance, trust, and loss of objectivity. Mm-hmm. I think it's um, a little odd that they couldn't get another doctor on the case, particularly because in an earlier episode you said that you didn't think that this is even the uh, chief medical officer. That, uh, yeah, he says at one point, um, I have to go assist the CMO. So I don't know why we've never met the CMO. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like that's uh, 
maybe fake news. I feel like maybe this guy is the... Uh, the, the maybe the CMO stands for like uh, the, the crazy man <laughs> over there. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think you've sort of zoomed in on one of the least um, interesting aspects of this episode. So it's good that we sort of got that out of the way. Um, so in in my view, the most interesting thing that happened in this episode was that we uh, seem to have potentially teleported the um, discovery into a completely different uh, either dimension or yeah, parallel time, universes, time point. So. Um, what do you think? Where do you think they are at the end of this episode? Um, I would be very, very not surprised if we were in the mirror universe where everyone has goatees, mm-hmm. and and like where you have like um, sadistic lesbian villains. Is that a canon universe from the original series? Yeah, the goatees are from the original series, and the and the evil lesbians are from Deep Space Nine. Okay, but same universe, I think. Mirror universe. Yep. Okay. Um, but uh, I think it's possible that we were also originally in a, a different timeline and we've teleported into the prime timeline now. Oh, interesting. Which would be a twist. There would be a twist. It seems to me very um, potentially convenient now that we have teleported our ship somewhere because it sort of would seem to resolve some of the anachronisms that are present in the show. Am I right in thinking that? Um, I guess. It, I guess it just depends on where we ended up. Depending on where we ended up. So, like, if we end up in another, in the mirror universe, say, mm-hmm. would do you believe that we would maybe be staying there, and that's how this uh, series is going to play out? Uh, I'm... I'm not sure. Presumably they wouldn't be too happy about being there because it's kind of crap. Um, <laughs> uh, but m- maybe we might uh, like lay the groundwork for the, the, the subsequent Mirror Universe episodes in canon, which I haven't seen yet, but um, I understand there's like a Terran Empire, I think. and So I don't know. But then they wouldn't do a series that's just about, oh, this is how we, we made the, the other fake universe right okay it's, it's got to be the real universe where mr spock lives here's here's my theory mm-hmm. i think they maybe they went into the future because so first of all it would it would be a, a good solution to the problem of what happened to the mycelial drive like okay yep. it they they just basically they just cracked Klingon cloaking technology. So I would think probably are giving the edge to the Federation in the Klingon war. Um, the, the Federation's major um, driver for perfecting the mycelial drive is winning this war. But in this case, if they lost their last ship with one of these drives operable to a terrible accident and also are on the verge of winning the war, one might think that they would just abandon the technology. Yeah, divert resource. Right. And it was already top secret anyway, so that might be why it never really comes up again. Hush, Um, hush. Delete the email server and nobody needs to know. Then I think sort of thematically, 
where we're still trying to figure out what this series is, one could mm-hmm. one could think, okay, well, maybe they end up in another dimension. How is that any different from sort of like a Voyager, where it's like, okay, they're in a part of space where there's no Federation, and uh, mm-hmm. they're just trying to find their way home. So that's that's sort of retreading. But if they go into the future, then presumably they're going to be back into the the you know canon timeline but at a later point where they're then reintroducing this crazy technology um mm-hmm. and to fuck the is, universe and this may um may or may not occur but i, w- I just want to say that i feel like potentially including a time loop episode so early on in the series is almost like a hat tip to that possibility where because at the end of that episode you get the um uh, Captain Fraser coming out of the time loop from right. a much older time period around this same time, like around the Kirk era, right? Yeah. Um, so you you could think thematically somebody was maybe thinking, why don't we explore what happens to those people after they come out of the time loop? How do they reassimilate? Um, maybe that's what's going to happen with our uh, our friends on the Discovery. Mm, that's that's uh, intriguing. I guess um, it would explain because, uh, like, the, one of the things that we need to explain is why Saru says I can't account for our position, mm-hmm. uh, and stellar drift um, is a thing. So, you know, if they happen to find themselves in the future, then things wouldn't be in the same place anymore, and he might have some difficulty pinpointing their location. So that could be right. one plausible explanation. It doesn't really explain why they would be surrounded by. Um... Klingon rubble. Mm. It seems very mirror universey to to have uh, lots of blown up ships around you. Yeah. Based on my zero percent knowledge of the mirror universe. Oh come on! You know that Mister Spock has a goatee. Mm-hmm. I guess I knew that. Like like Flexo from yeah, like Flexo. Futurama. Yeah. So the me and he's a bad guy. Sure, Sky. He's not a he's not a good guy. You can tell. Um. Uh. Let's see. Uh. Um. Lorca. Uh. Kind of seemed to be back to his old manipulative ways in this one, but to a perhaps lesser extent than sending someone off to be you know murdered by Klingons. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm thinking of uh, when he gets Stamets to do just one more jump for them. He he offers him up some kind of like science candy sort of, mm-hmm. of like, oh, you know, the war will be over and just imagine like what we'll be able to discover Yeah. in order for, you know, me to get the thing that I want. Yeah, it's true. And it worked. And yeah. he's not wrong. Oh, but he's he's probably being slightly duplicitous. Mm-hmm. I suppose. But he does <laughs> he does seem to be keeping pretty good track of the jumps and and uh, making some genuine observations about what they're learning from that. At least yeah, I think uh, he he may have been doing that as a as a manipulation tactic, though. The whole I think that's why he. Yeah. Yeah, You're probably right. So you could have that in reserve. Um, this episode is the first Star Trek episode or film to feature a romantic kiss between two men. Yeah, I um, 
Actually, like when I saw the episode, I didn't notice. I thought we'd had one previously, but uh, I guess that was just a toothbrush scene. Yeah. It actually aired over 22 years after the first romantic kiss between two women in DS9 rejoined. Yep. Yeah. Which they, they weren't villainous lesbians in that one. They were just space lesbians. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they were lesbians because wasn't wasn't it um wasn't the relationship sort of a holdover from a from the symbiote? Yeah, space lesbians, you know. It's not real gay. <laughs> it's just pretend, don't worry. Lipstick space lesbian. I'm just <laughs> right. saying like with the with w- isn't the the body that wasn't the symbiote the the the, the subject of the, the uh, romantic feelings or weren't and the the bodies were sort of incidental or something like that. I'm I vague, I'm very vaguely remembering the uh, the circumstances. Hey, something like that. But uh, when you bump the parts together, that's true. It's still going to be two parts of a certain kind. Mm-hmm. Um, what else happened? Um, uh, so there seems to be another twist that is waiting in the wings for us, and that's uh, why Burnham is so important to Lorca, uh, which we don't know why that would be yet. And uh, Saru seems to know something about that because he exchanges mm-hmm. a glance with uh, Lorca um, when Lorca is like trying to get her to not go on the Klingon ship. Yeah, because he doesn't want her to kill herself. That didn't occur to me at the time, but it is. I did think it was strange that he was he was um, fighting for that so hard. Like, who cares? Yes, she's, she's like a prisoner. Exactly, she's, she's disposable. Yeah. Um, and this is not the first time that, because uh, remember when they gave her the mind meld augment to go rescue Sarek, um, he said to Tyler, you make sure you bring her back. That's that's the priority, not that she, you know, recover Sarek. Mm-hmm. So something's up there. I'm not sure what. Uh, maybe we'll learn about it in this trans-dimensional universe that we've entered. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be there's something something afoot there. Um, I will say it's it's kind of an interesting um, ragtag assemblage of characters they're bringing with them into this uh, strange situation. Mm-hmm. Um, like we got an admiral, we've got a we've got a a Klingon. Oh yeah, a, a Klingon. Yeah, we've got another Klingon who's probably in disguise. Um, <laughs> so that was my other um, sort of take from this episode is is whether or not this is like further evidence of the um the secret klingon so my uh my take on this was that they were they were showing us um the torture which Mm -hmm. we're ostensibly to believe that this is the torture and that um what's his name it looks suspiciously like a surgical procedure as well right and that his ptsd is you know, presented as PTSD, but I think it's probably something else like maybe, um, memory implants, memory implants. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure how to say that, but like <laughs> some, some kind of experience related to memory implants, malfunctioning uh-huh. or some reminder of Ooh, like, like phantom memories or something, phantom trauma. Yeah. But I will say Canyon that's Blade something Runner. that, that never really, uh, came up to this point where it's like, Wow if he's a Klingon, he sure must be like a good actor. Cause like, how do yeah, he... well, he does seem to genuinely believe the part. I think that's, that's the deal. Cause like 
why would he get romantically involved with someone? Like, why would he do any of the shit that he does? Yeah. Um, if he hadn't, if this isn't like deep, deep cover and he is like full mentoring candidate. Yeah. So, um, so I think it's pretty clear that he's, he's definitely Klingon, but uh, adding to that list I was making earlier, you, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting scenario where particularly like if my idea is true and they're in the far future, it's like the whole Klingon war thing is now completely irrelevant and you've just got right, this guy yeah. with these like this former Klingon in a human body who you're like may or may not even want to go back to being a Klingon. Yeah. And some, um, it's difficult to think of what the motivations are, like even to begin with, like, um, Laurel, uh, spent the whole previous episode saying that she wants to defect and well, you know, now she's got her chance, but presumably that's just a ruse to get the discovery so that, mm -hmm. um, oh, you know, she can take over the Klingon houses, I guess. I guess so. Um, so, uh, that'll play out presumably, but then it, it, it also doesn't seem like that's the game. It seems, uh, almost more genuine. Right. Yeah. It's hard to, hard to pinpoint. It seemed that she was suggesting some kind of really, uh, house of cards style, um, political maneuvering and manipulation when they, they uh -huh. first started talking about these plans. And, um, we haven't really seen any of that play out in any way other than what, no, what we're seeing, which I guess we'll have to reinterpret later once we know what's actually going on. Um, mm -hmm. Another uh, another little tidbit is that this um, episode was billed as the end of Chapter 1 mm -hmm. by CBS. Um, so presumably you could expect a, a large shift to begin Chapter 2 tonally and whether we think no, whether we know it's that it's like in the series or just the season, TBD. Mm -hmm. But I expect the series because I really don't. I don't think it was ever sustainable to start a new Star Trek series like ten years before another one. Where we're gonna like they're gonna start overlapping it immediately. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Is the whole I series gonna happen in that ten years? Um, like, I think it, it wasn't meant to be open-ended like a TNG. I think they had a kind of a more tighter arc that they unless, had planned. Unless I'm right, and they're now in the future. <laughs> right. Then we can just go forever. But go in, in which case, we can, we can now pick up where we should have started, which is like after um, Voyager, I guess. Nemesis. After Nemesis. But was that would would that wipe out the um the MMO's canon? Is that is that real canon? Um, you know I don't know. I it's think we can. I think it's pretty to tell easy with Star to, Trek. to wipe out a canon. I think uh, we have a good model. For that. <laughs> that's, uh, God forbid. That's Star Trek Legends. Like, yeah, like Kathleen Kennedy stomps in. I am Kathleen, destroyer of canon. None of this is canon anymore. I mean, to be fair, a lot of that stuff is uh, doesn't deserve to be canon, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, uh, Jason, Jason, Jason a lot of Skywalker. Those, yeah, Jason and Jaina. A lot of those books um, have really great cover art, mm -hmm. but the words in between the cover art is not 
not worth your time. Right. So it's it's probably all right. How many of those books do you have? Oh, in the realm of uh, 250, I think. I was trying to whistle there. What a my, nerd, right? My lips are were a little bit too dry. So it just came out mm. as like a sort of a sickly wheeze. That's okay. Yeah. This is a funny thing that I just read. This episode is the first Star Trek episode or film to show female nipples on screen, albeit briefly in a character's nightmare. Yeah, I was going to bring uh, that up. And I'm trying to find the... uh, I actually saw a screen grab of the nipples. I did not see them when I first watched the episode, but I saw a screen grab. But somebody covered them with the, um, the Star Trek insignia to like censor it now I'm, I'm trying to find the original um frantically google that yeah it's klingon nipples discovery oh here we go klingon torture uh okay i'm gonna play this video <laughs> gonna mute it i can't uh i can't find it in the google search no this is this is not the right thing Okay, I think this is going to require a more intensive deep this dive. This is the um, this is the brave new world of streaming services. We can uh, we can swear, we can have swear words, we can mm-hmm. um, show nipples. Yeah. Oh, I found them. You found the nipples? Yep. Can you um, can you send me a link to that? Oh, okay. She <laughs> seems to be the same color as the bed sheets. It's really uh, what a faux pas. She's kind of like a like a gray lady. Let's get okay, that chat waiting. open. Really, I'm really can't wait to see this. This is really exciting. <laughs> hmm. There you are. What's what's the verdict on Klingon nipples? I can't seem to open the image. Oh, that's a shame. Oh yeah, there they are. Um, gee, this is pretty subtle. It almost, almost doesn't look like you can really see them. What uh, screen do you watch this deal on? Uh, I usually watch it on my um, my regular TV. Uh huh. So that's like that's like a sizable 1080p deal. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's like I don't know. What's a big TV size? The forty inches. Ten eighty p. Oh, oh, inches. Yeah, I don't fucking know. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember. But it's it's big. I just it's like these are really quick scenes. You know, it wasn't like it wasn't like uh, a resolution issue. It was more of a uh, quick cut. Right. Because you, you got to be tasteful about it. You can't linger on the nipple. Yeah. No, it's it's just it's art, artistic nudity. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. still not really quite sure like what the deal with it is in the first place. Like, why is she sexually abusing this this non Klingon man? I don't know. I guess she's just kind of a pervert. Hmm. Um. This episode is the uh, debut and discovery of the Universal Translator, I believe, and. Uh, Oh, yeah. That means that we we finally get what I was 
uh, sort of dreading at the start of the series, which is um, where aliens start speaking in their language and then they switch to English. Why were you dreading that? And look, um, it's better implemented here than it normally is, but normally uh, that's a sign of like really like crap, lazy sci-fi. They do it in Battlefield Earth. Yeah. The Cyclos. Um, And I think they do it in some of the star trek movies as well they'll have the actors start speaking klingon and then just uh, switch to english because like nobody wants to read subtitles it's... yeah i mean I, I will say that the uh the klingon um dialogue is a little bit more brisk when it's in english you know it's like they talk very slowly that was uh that's a really <laughs> flawless accent. And that was like, make it so. <laughs> Laura Hudson of The Verge wrote an editorial praising the episode for raising the topic of male rape victims. Right, yeah. Uh, I guess. Um, yeah, we, we still don't really know like what the deal with that whole thing is, but um, I guess it was sensitively treated insofar as... Um, like Admiral Cornwell seems to know what to do with someone who has PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like uh, played for laughs or anything ridiculous like that. Yeah. So that's good. Um, mm. So course, m- most male rape victims probably aren't victims of Klingon rape. No, I think it's a different different category. Um, so are you surprised that they uh, they were able to uh, kill Core uh, and destroy the ship of the dead, and um, um, I'm surprised that they would destroy that expensive set. Yeah. Maybe in this parallel universe, we'll um, find out. Oh, there was another ship of the dead. Mm-hmm. Ship of the dead. Ship of the the very dead. Ship of the comatose. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll see. It's yeah. not. Um, it will be returning, um, let's see, J- uh, January 7th, 2018. Yeah. With a episode, an episode called Despite Yourself. Hmm, I wonder if that's a literary reference. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Despite uh... your alternate universe evil self. Memory Alpha doesn't have uh, any, uh, doesn't show any indication of it being a, a reference to like Ralph Waldo Emerson or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, CBS All Access is promoting this episode as the start of Chapter 2 due to the premiere eight weeks after the previous episode, which was promoted as the end of Chapter 1. Well, whilst previous series often had periods which did not see a new first-run episode during broadcast particularly when in syndication, this is the first explicit broadcast break in, Star- in a Star Trek series. That's sort of like not a Star Trek thing and more of a that's how TV works now kind of thing. Yeah, it's um, Brave New World where mid-season, we're streaming. Mid-season finale, winter finale. The first time I heard the term winter finale was relating to the program Pretty Little Liars. On, okay, on did you ABC get channel. into that one? No, but uh, Carrie watches it or watched it sometimes. Uh-huh. Um, really great. 
Great show. Really, really good stuff. Emmy award winning. Yep. Um, so we, did we finish this? Did we, is that everything? I had something to say, but I just lost it. Um, well, uh, in, in my notes, I also, uh, have reference to the, I, I, um, thought it was very ISIS-y the way that they treated the, like the, the power vacuum being filled by, you know, like even worse guys. That seemed very ISIS to me. Um, when, when did that happen? Uh, when I think Burnham was speaking to, uh, Cole and, um, he said that, uh, you know, you, I, I must thank you for killing Dukovma because I was oh, able yeah. to take That's a right. ship and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and then, very uh, and then at the end of that, uh, exchange, he says, lock her up, mm-hmm. which, uh, does that conjure any images? Um, so remember that the Klingons are meant to be Trump supporters. Oh, okay. That's right. That's right. Lock her up, crooked Michael Byrne. <laughs> what about she, the emails? She is really crooked. I mean, yeah. she she got away with mutiny. Like that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Should appoint a special special prosecutor to look into her whole situation. Yeah, we still have a lot of missing emails between her and. Um... Oh, let, let's say uh, Harry Mudd. <laughs> right. Um, so um, uh, we're, we're well aware at this point that um, uh, there, there is a, a wide-reaching uh, sexual harassment scandal in, and sexual assault scandal in, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know that uh, there is a perpetrator of, of sexual assault serving... Uh, as a crew person aboard the Discovery. I did not know that. Um, I have... uh, uh, This this was... um, I heard a a snippet of um, could Cadet Decker please report to wherever during Mm -hmm. this episode. And of course, Cadet Decker uh, could well be Will Decker, who later becomes captain of the Enterprise in Star Trek The Motion Picture, who... Also famously, um, uh, I don't know if he was convicted, but uh, there, there was some sort of um, sexual assault allegations about him and a young girl. In the um, series or in real life? In the real life. Okay. Interesting. He's the, so, the, the dad from Seventh Heaven. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's he definitely um, he's not a great guy, but I didn't know he, he was a, uh, a, a, a Star Trek captain. Um, did not put it well, together. like, I think, uh, that's prop. They're probably referencing that character because probably. He, so this is what, uh, 20 years before that. So this, this character who's probably like, oh, I guess around 40, he would have been around 20. So he could have been about cadet age. Yeah. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say maybe not because I actually do think that everybody on this crew is going to vanish forever from this, from the timeline. Oh, because okay. they've jumped into the future or into another dimension. Could be a cousin of his, those, though? It could be. Um, uh, we've previously had reference to his father 
uh, Captain Matt Decker. Hmm. Maybe this is Matt Decker. 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 Well, he's the captain, uh, not a. He might even have been an admiral at that point, or commodore, or something. Not a cadet. Right. Okay. We'll we'll figure it out. We'll see how it plays out. Yeah, um, it'll presumably be a critical plot element of uh, chapter two. Yeah, it's going to be huge. It's going to get into the get into the whole allegations against the actor that played the character too. Yeah, we'll we'll lit- litigate that whole thing. Yeah. Um. And with that, I believe uh, we we have concluded our discussion of the first chapter of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. Did you um? Are, do you agree with um, Star Trek Discovery co-executive producer and writer Ted Sullivan, who oh that it was um, Balance of Terror esque? Yeah. Um, I did think it was uh, a really strong episode. It was better than the previous one, which kind of left me cold. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure why he makes the comparison specifically to Balance of Terror, which is about um. Uh, it's like a cat and mouse game between the Enterprise and this Romulan ship uh, on the mm-hmm. on the neutral zone, and they can't see each other. So it's all like submarine warfare kind of stuff. Is it just like was it maybe like a game changer for the series? Um. Well, it introduced the Romulans, uh, and it it was probably a like a more successful, serious kind of story than they, they would have told prior to that. Yeah, so it was a game changer. Game change. Mm. Game has changed. Okay. Can't wait to play the different game. Well, let's. Uh, why don't we check out the next episode on January 7th, 2018, and then we'll regroup and compare notes. Yeah. Maybe we can check which... out this episode before we record the next one to sort of point out all the uh, really... the the. The, the loser theories and the winner theories. Right. And uh, I will um, not admit to being wrong in any instance. That's fine. You're probably not wrong. Um, I, I, I might be uh, overseas in, in the different country when, uh, when this premieres. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure of the timing, but uh, you know, that'll, that'll be a fun twist. We'll figure it out. I mean, if we have to delay it a week or two, like who, who cares? Perish right? the thought. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any case, we will regroup at some point on this topic, and whoever is still listening will potentially tune in and enjoy that. Great. All okay. Right. So the Stamets and Culber kiss episode is in the books, and mm-hmm. check us out next time for the um, what is it called again? Uh, the the Shrek Discovery. Next, what's the next? Oh. It, despite myself, in spite of myself. Oh yeah, episode. right. <laughs> On the gr- the wonderful uh, Trek Trudge discovery. All right, see you, James. Goodbye. Bye, folks.